0: Another week of shot. You loused it up. Didn't get off the ground. Fleming along there, but it's Friday, see, and Friday. Hey, there's a touch of the reverend here. What's this about? I say, well, of course, yes. The next thing is a cassock. I presume that'll come. So, would you please bring it up, like... that will be <dark>, Hi, huh? <laughs> right, George oh uh, yeah yeah hello test, hello te- oh, we got some bad news for you tonight uh, no I don't know what it's bad news or not it depends on your attitude towards the environment in which you live you know uh, your your involvement with uh, the material things that uh, surround you do you remember a couple of months ago any of you remember a couple of months ago when we did this thing uh, uh, one of our nightly salutes to uh, true examples of Jersey slob art, and we talked about the famous Margate Elephant. Remember the Margate Elephant? Well, you know you know about the Margate Elephant, don't you? You know it's a hotel. It's a <laughs> hotel shaped in the, in the shape of an elephant, and you can rent various parts of the elephant if you care to. And, uh, and uh, it's, it was especially they tell me especially uh, at one time especially popular among honeymooners. Being this uh, giant elephant And I suppose your entire marriage Could be lost up If you got the wrong part of the elephant You know it's Somehow you know The mystical quality to it But uh, there's a little note there Let's salute that elephant If you will please Let's salute raunch- a little raunchy music Yeah Hello there gang It ain't easy there Oh we've got some information here Oh together, at Oh Tonight we're going to salute That big old Mark 8 elephant Standing there Standing there all alone, all alone and And unsung, and today there ain't nobody wants it. I oh, asked enough of that. That's it. Very good. Very good. Every time I sing, I get four thousand requests to sing more and four thousand requests to cease and desist under penalty of a lawsuit. So <laughs> I don't know that. Uh, oh, hey! Speaking of uh, singing, uh, do you have uh, do you have my favorite beer commercial ready in there? Big herb. You had know, to hit it there, please. All right, now let's go game before we get to the too deeply involved, mouth. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, friend, you know it's, it's the weekend coming up, and that is a uh, very serious time if you believe in beer, and that means that you don't want to be caught uh, like about the middle of this weekend without any suds on hand, and if you're going to lay in a real trough full of genuine, vibrant suds, we can only recommend one. Miller High Life, the champagne of bottle beers. Miller, man, if you're going to tie one on this weekend, tie it on in style. Miller High Life. Got the cool people, people on the go. They know Miller High Life beer. Yeah. Don't forget, it's, it's the champagne of bottle beer. And you can get it in the magnificent champagne golden can, which makes a nice quink when it hits the sidewalk. So try it this weekend. Uh, Raise your hand high and say, this weekend I'm going to live high off the hog. Miller High Life. Miller High Life Brewing Company, Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And while we've still got you quivering out there, we got another little ding-dong for you. Real quick. Larry, what's a four-letter word that means the opposite of go starts Uh-oh. with an S? Oh, Danny, S-T-O-P. Oh. Hey, that's right. Okay, now, here's a tough one. Three words that describe the person you go to when you want to buy the breakaway car of the year. There are lots of them conveniently located. Now, so far, I have nearest blank dealer. Come on, Dad. You know it's nearest Pontiac dealer. Yeah, and that's where I'm going tomorrow. Like to come along? Would I? No kidding, Dad. You gonna buy a Pontiac? Sure thing. Wait till you see the Grand Prix, Dad. It's got bucket seats and a wraparound instrument panel. It even has a hidden radio antenna. Hey, you sound like an expert. How come you know so much about Pontiac? Me? I'm always talking cars with the guys. You just never paid any attention. Oh, no? Why do you think I'm getting a Pontiac? You mean you listened to what me and the guys were saying? (laughs) Sure did. Well, for crying out loud, Dad, can't a guy have any privacy? Oh, man. (laughs) You can tell a real expert. He knows about the folding antennas and the wraparound windshields. That's a real car expert. Friends, and it's Pontiac, the car that's causing a lot of talk these days. So the guy that knows it, uh, those antennas go up and down, windshields wrap around, there's a guy that knows cars, friends. Bump, ba-dump, (laughs) bump. Isn't that great? You like that, huh? Oh, I did it good. Oh, it ain't easy. Oh, Oh, yeah, the Jersey elephant, uh... I, I just hate to face this. We have a little note here special to the New York Times. It was in last Sunday's Times. If you missed it, you've got to hear it. Is The Margate Elephant, one-time glory of this South Jersey Shore community, is now dying at the age of 87. Bump, ba dum bum Only a massive transfusion, upwards of 100000 bucks in repairs to the structure's 65-foot high frame and 11-room interior, can save the tattered remnant of Victoriana. That's a, you know, that's a timesy easy is. That's timesiana for the Victorian age, friends. Victoriana, which has attracted millions of tourists to this pleasant stretch of beach just a few miles south of Atlantic City. It was built in 1882 for 38000 bucks as an attention-getting office building by James Lafferty, a Philadelphia real estate promoter. You know, that must have been a wild time, the Victorian days. I mean, I mean, in a lot of ways, people keep thinking of it as being a very staid time, but uh, I, I, I couldn't disagree more, because this was the period when all these fantastic places were built, you know, like, uh, like Gumpox's Folly, like uh, McGonagall's Nuttiness. And he would build a house in the shape of a giant uh, shillelagh or something, you know, with stilts sticking out of it. And uh, nobody would think of doing anything like that these days. Everybody would be scared to. Now, if you lived up in Darien now, you know, you're walking around, you're Darien, you're a big-time uh, uh, ad man, and uh, you decide to build an office, you know, you're going to build an office there in the main town of Darien. Who would think in, in terms of building an office in the shape of an elephant just to let me, <laughs> make people look at it? I mean, it's a big baby, too. Remember, 65 feet. That is five or more stories high. That's not no little elephant, to use the Jersey term. Uh, that's a, a good five stories high. It's 11 rooms. And uh, anyway, it cost them $38,000. The tourists still come and stand in awe of the elephant. As high as a six-story building, but they must keep their distance. The building which once admitted them for 15 cents was closed and condemned for lack of repairs by the mayor in 1966. The 12,000 square feet of tin skin that once held off winter gales and September hurricanes is now rotting through. Huge sheets of the elephant's skin are flapping noisily in an ordinary <laughs> offshore breeze. A gaping... All, and this is sad, Francis. This, this, this brings it right home, right to the guts of it. A gaping teardrop-shaped hole under the elephant's 18-inch diameter right eye has become an entryway for pigeons which hatch their eggs, grow to old age, and die undisturbed in the elephant's head. Jack Boucher, a resident of nearby Linwood, who is New Jersey's state supervisor of historic sites, was attracted by the elephant's cause by a flood of mail protesting Mayor Bloom's decision to tear it down. Mayor Bloom granted a reprieve to the elephant, which has long since outlived its usefulness as an office and is being operated as a tourist attraction, and a guy bought it. And now he's got, you know, a tourist attraction. He said, we had only hoped to prompt the owner into doing something about the elephant. We'd feel badly here in this town if it had to be torn down. In addition to the elephant, Mr. Gertzen and his family, the guy that owns it, owns 58,000 feet of additional land. Well, this guy's got dough. Uh, He owns a cabana, snack bar, a whole bit. But the whole point is that this elephant is slowly sinking into, into the ground. And the guy who owns it is in Florida. He's saying nothing. There it is out there. Right now, tonight, at this moment, that elephant is staring out to sea, and uh, I've got a picture of it. It's down in my office. Somebody sent me a picture of that elephant's beautiful and a little obscene because, you see, I might point out, it's a totally complete elephant, and uh, the elephant is looking <laughs> looking out to sea. <laughs> well, you know, when I heard about that, I thought, oh, you know, uh, uh, that, 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 that elephant, uh, uh, all the great stuff is disappearing. It, it really is... Uh, uh, mainly, mainly because we're getting you know what I don't think this is the age of you know people said this is the age of romanticism they always talk about America as being uh, an idealistic uh, uh, showbiz country I don't think so I think this is the age of uh, almost pristine efficiency that if a thing is not efficient it goes and, and uh, uh, that's right and beauty has never been efficient not so. I, it's a, and, and it depends on the kind of beauty. And, uh, even ugly beauty. The uglier the beauty often, the, the less efficient it is. And in a strange way, the more interesting it becomes. And the idea of a giant 65-foot elephant standing on the beach. Of course, this is like the seven wonders of the world. You know you know what the seven wonders of the world are? Do you know that, that the guy that built the Astrodome, Astrodome has got the guts to call that the eighth wonder of the world? And can you imagine that standing next to the Colossus of Rhodes? And <laughs> can you name the, the eight wonders of the world, or the seven wonders of the world? Can you? And uh, don't, uh, don't throw in the Beatles or anything like that. I'm talking about real wonders. I mean, you know, Like the Colossus of Rhodes, the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. And all these great things, they all disappeared. What stays? What continues to run? Well, dull stuff. Uh, continues to stay there. They, they just never do away with the dull stuff. It just stays around for year after year. But the but the elephant, no, that's going to go. And you know, I, the reason I have a specific point on this, it's this elephant thing, is when I was a kid, we had about three or four vacant lots away from where I lived. You, know, you could see it on the horizon. Some guy had come along, and he had a couple of bucks, and uh, he opened up a, a miniature golf course. You know, you you know that there's a well, the miniature golf cuckoo is a special breed anyway. I, I, I'm serious. I know people who, every time they see a miniature golf course with one of those nutty little Dutch windmills going around and the barrels that are turned upside down painted blue and, the, you know, the loop the loop thing where the ball comes flying back out at you and hits you between the eyes, that, that that whole thing. Well, the minute they see one of these, they've got to stop and play miniature golf. That's a special kind of cuckoo. I, in fact, I even know a guy who owned the miniature golf course. And uh, not only did he own a miniature golf, it's a very successful one. It was on a Jersey Shore. And uh, uh, he, he never tires of telling about cuckoos. Uh, people who, who they're, um, they're worse than real golf players, you see, because there's something maddening about miniature golf. Uh, big golf, there's all kinds of books on how to play big golf. But nobody has written a book on how to play the shot uh, you, know, how you really play the shot with the Dutch windmill, with you know, things going around, and those little doors opening and closing, you hit one. And uh, you know how to get over the uh, the, the double-barrel loop-to-loop. Uh, Arnold Palmer gives you little hints and kinks on how to go uh, around the double-barrel loop-to-loop and how to play the Lindy Loop shot. You know, the one that goes up and down like that and shoots the ball out. And uh, he, he said that people used to get so maddened by this, playing miniature golf. He said a guy would show up, and he could tell. He says right away in the random right way in the morning. He says when a guy would show up early, it's like bartenders can tell that the worst kind of drinkers are the guys that show up at five minutes past eight, just four and a half minutes after the bar opens. These guys show up and they try to look casual. Oh, I, I'm just going by. I'm not working today. I thought I'd uh, drop by and say hello to you, Jack. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Chris Jack's got the bar rag out and he's wiping up the you know the slop from the night before. Hope they'll find it to bite bartender as well as their. Uh, anything I can do for you, Harry? Oh no no. <laughs> I'll have uh, one of them bags. have one of those bags of peanuts. I think I'll have over there. And uh, oh well, uh, well what the heck? Uh, it's not working today. Uh, have a little, uh, um, little Jack Daniels, huh? <laughs> Breakfast there, just a little back. Well, seventeen hours later, uh, he is seen crawling up Third Avenue on his hands and knees with his, uh, uh, somebody's ripped the bottom of his pants off and he's lost one of the sleeves of his coat. And uh, that's just a casual guy. He just dropped in, see? And uh, you can always tell, really dissolute. Which, remind me, this is W.O.R., friends, in New York. And, uh, it's a great town, New York. we've got nothing but commercials. Hit the commercial button. We've got a lot of Well, money. why were you late? I tried my best. Yeah, you and who else? Your mother is never on time either. That's got nothing to do with it. Like fun, it doesn't. You're just as sloppy as she is. You if you have to fight about your love life, fight fair. Read The Intimate Enemy. The Intimate Enemy is bringing couples together all over the country. The Intimate Enemy, How to Fight Fair in Love and Marriage. The new best-selling book by Dr. George R. Bach and Peter Wyden. William Morrow published it. Seven fifty at your bookseller. Ain't love grand. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, you know, it's funny. There's a tag on that? No, no. You know, it's a funny thing about this. We're the only country in the world that really believes that you can buy a book to teach you anything. We are. <laughs> you know, how to lose weight, how to gain weight, how to cheat on your taxes, uh, how to... Be a karate expert, how to fight your wife. By the way, speaking of karate, there is a very interesting poster that uh, you see in the local uh, subway stations. Now, I'm going to tell you what's interesting about that poster. It's for some outfit that teaches karate. See? It says, learn karate, be able to fight your enemies off, be ready for anything that happens. And it shows this guy. And he's got one of these karate robes on, you know, these the things that look like a bathrobe with a sash around and he is really giving it to somebody. He's got this person by the back of the neck, see, and he's bending them over backwards. You can see they're just about ready to bust them in two, see. And here it is, the karate expert, or the guy that's doing it, the karate guy. What is he doing this karate to? A chick. Did you see that? <laughs> if, he is, if he is attempting to sell the idea of taking karate lessons that you can really deal with really tough people and shows this guy beating this chick. You know, he's got her by the back of the head. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm curious what's happening to our attitude. Although know. well, I'll admit. I'll admit there are very many tough chicks around these days. And there are very many very skinny guys with, uh, you know, those pink shirts and little gold shoes that turn up in the end. And I'm sure that they would need a few little karate lessons. And uh, uh, But uh, it, well, you noticed that that even showed up in a commercial. Did you see this guy? The commercial with the shaving cream? And the chick comes leaping at him. Oh, Charlie, you're so beautiful! And he goes, oh, 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 and he belts her one across the chops with the karate. Well, <laughs> oh, sure, things are changing in our world rapidly. Uh, I, I'm sure that there will come a day when, uh, in the back pages of uh, you know little uh, pulp magazines that kids read, things you know, like Ding Dong Comics, uh, like uh, you know that kind of stuff, Superman, so what that in the back pages there will be this little cartoon strip and it'll show this skinny kid or this very sensitive young man let's put it that way and he's on the beach with other sensitive young men and the three of them are sitting there on their plaid Mexican serapi blanket and uh, you know it's the beach It's uh, let's put it this way Fire Island and uh, <laughs> that's good. let's bring it right out of the open they're sitting there and all of a sudden the next picture shows this big awful female this awful person and that uh, she has, uh, she's playing softball with her friends, another bunch of awful women. And uh, the foul ball lands on the uh, on the blanket, and she's kicking sand in Dickie's face, Richard's face. Excuse me. The new thing is you call yourself Richard, or you call yourself by your full name, William Richard uh, uh, Charles. Uh, a, and she's kicking sand in Charles's face. And so Charles is saying, "You stop that." And she says, what are you going to do? You want me to, uh, who do you think you are, smart guy? And she kicks more sand in his face. That's in the the little picture number three. And so now uh, his friend, Howard, gets up. And Howard is a very, very sensitive person. And Howard gets up and says, you stop hitting Charles. And with that, she claps him on the, you know, she gives him a shot. And you see him now sprawling. And with that, Charles is getting up and crawling after this beautiful girl. Because he now sees where, you know, the real strength lies. And, uh, and he's lying there. The guy that's been belted, he's Howard, is lying there. He says, oh, darn it. Oh, darn it. That's the third friend I've lost this week to those awful people. Darn it. And above it, it says, are you losing your friends to those awful people? Yes. Uh, the, uh, the Dynamo Super Dynamic Muscle Course, which we teach by mail in just seven days, will make you able to not only get more new friends, But uh, your pictures will appear in those little magazines that they sell on 42nd Street. And in addition to that, when those awful people come around, you'll be ready to deal with them. And the last picture, we see this guy now. We see uh, Howie Howard. uh, He's looking in the mirror, and he's flexing his muscles. And you see he's tremendous bulging all over the place in his wavy hair, and he's got muscle tension. You see little lightnings coming out of his muscles, and you see a photographer taking his picture for uh, Man or uh, for a magazine like uh, Greek God. And here he is standing like this. And then the last picture, you see him sitting on his little serape, and he's with a new friend, and this new friend is Brucey, And uh, you see the same big, dynamic chick, and she's kicking sand in Brucey's face. And he says, Hey, uh, would you stop doing that to Brucey?" And she says... Who is telling me that? You again, huh? And the last scene you see pow crack he has belted this chick and Bruce is saying, Oh, you are so strong, Howard. Oh, Howard, my love knows no bounds. You are and so friends. Yeah. Yeah. There ain't no doubt about it, friends. Yeah, things are changing. Ba ba boom, ba da ba ba da, da scary? Oh yes. Do you have that electric light bulb commercial in there? Hit it, quick. Any kind of battery you can use, you can choose in the powerhouse. Ba ba The ever. a special breed of batteries today. Long-life alkaline batteries that power devices like undersea transmitters and space cameras. And the most reliable long-life battery is the ever Golden Energizer. It far outlasts ordinary batteries in heavy-duty use. In radios, everready Golden Energizers last up to three times longer. In cameras and flashlights, they last up to seven times longer. And in toys, Everready Golden Energizers actually last up to ten times longer. So for batteries that last longer, come to the people who've been making them longer. Get golden alkaline energizers from the ever ready powerhouse, where the power comes from. Ever-ready. Would you want a battery that's not? Oh, of course not. I mean, if there's anything that would bug me is a battery that ain't ready, man. I say everything should be ready in this world. Uh, hello, test? Barack. Okay. And let's... Oh, yeah, there's a little tag on this. It says the golden ones are products of Union Carbide. When you were a kid, did you ever have this myth around that batteries would blow up? I mean, if you, did you ever have, have that thing? That if you got batteries... The big dry cells. You never thought much about the flashlight batteries. The big dry cells, you know, the kind with the two binding posts on the top. And uh, if, you, if, you <laughs> if you weren't careful, you mess around with them. And when they get that bulge on the bottom, when they start going bad, that bulge on the bottom, that uh, one day, if you threw them in a fire, oh, forget it, the neighborhood goes up. It just blows the hell out of everything. It's just gone. Boom. You know, Brunner's blown up Hammond, Indiana, just gone. Well, <laughs> well we had all kinds of things like that. For example, um, well, of course, one of the great things about batteries was if you got a battery, now uh, I'm talking about dry cells again. Although you could do it with the little ones, little flashlight D-type cells. But if you got a battery and you uh, and knocked the bottom of it off and you uh, took a scissors or something and you just cut the side up, up, you know, just kind of split it and then opened it all up. You know what's in a battery. How many of have you ever opened up batteries? You know, no. <laughs> he knows. Herb knows. And you get all that glop. You see, there's all kinds of, if there's anything, if there's one thing a dry cell isn't, is dry, there's glop in it. And so you get all that glop, and right down the middle of it is this big carbon, this this carbon post. This is the, you know, one of the anodes. This is the anodes. And this great big, uh, you know, you've seen that thing? Well, we used to take these carbon rods out of the battery after you wash them all up and clean them all up. And the carbon rod was like, you could draw stuff with it. And, you know, you use it the, to write things. Well, we got playing around with these carbon rods, see? And uh, we got older. And we, got tired of drawing obscene pictures on the sidewalks with carbon rods and at that time we were beginning to, to to go even further in the electronic world you know anybody who's interested in electronics I mean as a kid you, you begin to f- expand your horizon you start out with doorbells and uh, ringing a doorbell or you start out by making an electromagnet you wind an electromagnet, you did that didn't you Herb? you make an electromagnet and then you start playing around with batteries the next thing you know you have made yourself a uh, a relay system you buy again a couple of little relays well we used to find in the uh, in the junkyards the magneto coil there were all kinds of them piled up old magneto coils from trucks and stuff you ever seen those magneto coils they come in a, a case big wooden case like some of them are wooden others are a metal case they've got terminals and we used to play around with these things Well, I remember there was an article one time that appeared in one of the magazines, like popular mechanics, about 10, see. And it says, uh, make your own electric arc welding outfit using simple parts that can be found in any junkyard. Well, I never told the story about making the arc welding outfit, and a friend of mine just bought an arc welding. He had a great big fantastic arc welding with the tanks. Yeah, I got this friend who's a real cuckoo on gadgets. He buys any gadget that's around, and... If it's got enough meters on it and lights and things that you can turn off and on, he'll buy it. In fact, I've often thought of sneaking down in a, a workshop someplace and making a panel, Herb. And get, get a lot of old uh, ammeters and milli and uh, a lot of stuff that are indirect lighting. That's always good. Dimmers, that's fun. Uh, you can turn the lights up and down, <laughs> like on your Fiat. You, know, you can turn the lights up and down and think. And have uh, you get some uh, uh, old, let's windshield wiper motors that make a steady clicking with little flags going back and forth. And you could hook that up, you see. So you have a, a black box that is a, does fantastic amounts of, it, uh, of operations, like flags light up and down. You can dim them up and down. You can turn it off. And you have, you, have, uh, you know, build up a potential, too. Have flashing neon bulbs. Uh, we have capacitance uh, flashings, uh, flashovers. Get a little strobe light on the side. And uh, uh, what you need really in it is a warning, a warning bell plus a warning horn that shows you are approaching maximum capability. And that if you exceed and go past the red line, you'll have a blow up the neighborhood. <laughs> you know? and, like get a stall horn in it. See? So you're running everything. Flags are going back and forth. You're fading things in and out. And you can connect a speaker in there, too, if you want uh, and uh, you can connect the speaker directly to, uh, let's say, the uh, uh, stock reports. So you get sounds that come out or get the weather reports, you know, on the UHF. And everything's going. And then you approach red line. It goes, ah, 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 ah. You have to back off the controls. I'll bet I could sell one at to my friend. Just call it the action board. <laughs> I'll bet people would love a thing like that. Just the action board. And it performs these... Uh, Of course, the action would all be in your head. Uh, If you want the action to show that you are landing a 707 on runway 3 left of LaGuardia, you could have it be doing that, you see. Uh, If you want the action to be an LM capsule landing on the moon, you could do that. Or if you want to pretend you're electrocuting your wife, you see, you could do that, <laughs> and all these different things. And, and it's says maximum voltage, voltage peak, readout. You have a digital counter. That's important. My friend is really a cuckoo on digital counters. And if I could get a digital counter that you went ding 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 ding, and every at every ten units, a yellow light would flash. Ding 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 ding. Then it would say reverse mechanism. You set it back. Ding, ding, ding. Green lights flash now every time you hit the tent. Ding, ding, ding. He'd love it. So would you. Herb sitting, leaning forward. And if you make it, uh, it has to be designed so that it looks like real equipment. See, you make it black crackle. Black crackle. And the knobs, you have various veneer type knobs on it. You don't just have knobs where you pull things in and out. Everything is uh, for, for a fine-tuning adjustment. Have a veneer knob on it, and then of course you have. In addition to that, you have enigmatic uh, labeling under it. You have uh, ALD readout. That's so, all. Just as what is is ALD? Well, it's up to you. Or or it'll say uh, <laughs> it'll say uh, uh, backup checkout system S Y S. Has to be a dot. Say black, black with red. Then then you'll have another one that says uh, uh, meter seven. Grid bias. (laughs) That's always good for it, see? Or or then you have a second-stage driver cathode current. That's a goodie, isn't it? Or or this one, uh, this one always is good. Uh, uh, Square wave distortion indicator. It's a goodie. In percentile. Underneath it, it says percentile. And underneath that, you have metric system only. Oh, it can get exciting. You see, At the, and you see these meters would interchange; they would have interaction with each other. So as you as you as you turn up the gain on, let's say, your ALD systems overall controlling unit, you find that the grid bias is dropping dangerously into the red. On the <laughs> you see on the other meter, you could actually make a system like that. You understand that. That performs all these fantastic mythical functions, and then of course, if you exceed, and uh, you'd have to have warning. You'd have to have warnings all over this thing. See, there would be a thing that says, "Warning, ALD system readout not to exceed 0.7 mmg for over 15 milliseconds," or, and then there's an arrow points down. It says, "Or circuit breaker three will disengage." Wait 15 seconds before engaging. Return grid bias to original .7 reading. Wouldn't it be exciting to see that that, that circuit breaker go out when you let the red line pass? Ah! It goes. Dung, dung, dung. Ah! Red lights go and the whole thing cuts off. And you see your grid bias meters falling down into the dangerous area. I'd love a thing like that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know what this is all about here tonight, but... uh, uh, Oh, yeah, you see, we're living non-functional lives. You see, what I'm doing here is creating a machine for, uh, well, for uh, for function people. You see, uh, after all, what is a movie? A movie is really a fantasy world that most people enter. They enter this world of fantasy. Now, they always pretend that they're getting a deep message from it if they're serious cinema fans. But actually, it's a fantasy world. They're entering a fantasy world where girls are in- infinitely available and the most beautiful in the world. Where men are uh, infinitely sensitive, and that where the uh, where the environment is always infinitely exotic. This is a, you know when you're when you're living in a little pad above Schraps on Second Avenue, you know you want you wanna, <laughs> you want to have an affair with a Swedish movie star. So you wind up down at Cinema too. Now uh, there are other people you see who fantasize about equipment, not about chicks particularly. They fantasize about equipment, and and that thing has really been given to them. And so you could you could work up various types of fantasy equipment. I mean uh, you could you could really really get involved with this thing so that you have a whole control room that you enter, and you sit in the special seat, and uh, it's like it's like a, a, a flight simulator, and you sit in the special seat. And you could take uh, symbolic courses. And for after three months, you are able now, after so many simulated hours in the flight control center of this equipment, you are able to attain certain readout results that take very, very touchy uh, special control. And it doesn't really, you're not landing anything or flying anything. You're not, you're not in a flight simulator. The machine is its own end. Now, wouldn't it be great to be able to get to, to drop, to say, say, for example, the final meter, the meter that says uh, performance function indicator, okay? <laughs> That's a nice phrase. Performance function indicator. Now, of course, it's got a scope associated with it. You must maintain a perfect trapezoidal pattern. Now, uh, the, the, the machine itself fights against maintaining a trapezoidal pattern. But by adjustment of various controls, you can maintain a trapezoidal pattern. But it's working against time all the time, you see. that the, It becomes more and more critical as time goes... For, it's like landing an aircraft, you see. It becomes more and more critical as time goes on. And so if you're set up for a three-minute critical test... That, uh, at the at the end of two minutes and fifty seconds the thing is so fantastically critical that the trapezoidal pattern is always going out of sync and you're operating everything and just at the last instant, if you can maintain a trapezoidal pattern, just as your chronometer your chronometer hits exactly three. 000 000 000 minutes. the trapezoidal pattern is on 3. 000 000, a big green light lights, big dial lights and it says. Ah! performance factor performance factor 100% Ah! you have done a perfect function it's taking you three or four months of dual control work with with a by, by the way a trained licensed controller of this equipment and then you can learn various other functions how, for example, to uh, operate two of them at once. That's a multi-engine operation, you see. <laughs> and so you're sitting here whining, oh, it could be fantastic. Uh, you know, and then it could wind up, of course, they can have international competitions then, just like films now, you know. Uh, the international competition is an exchange of fantasies. We're trying to decide whether Frenchmen can make better fantasies than Swedish guys, see, or whether Swedish guys make better fantasies than a guy from Burbank, California, you see. So ultimately, we would have an international uh, an international uh, meet, at, let's say at Con, and all the great operators would gather and be seated, be seated down. And of course, it would eventually get to be a spectator sport, and uh, all of us would watch those meters going until eventually we see that that beautiful Con. Uh, that that confluxion of powers, that that, that the the, the radial vectors all come together. The fantastic performance when this guy is operating a machine that is rapidly deteriorating. You see, it is rapidly deteriorating, and that if he does not hit this, and of course you have to you have to have a punishment factor. If he does not hit this at exactly the right moment, it's tremendously complex that an enormous surge of power ejects him right out of his seat backwards and he slides 30 feet on the back of his neck and, uh, and of course he's made obviously the object of uh, total ridicule. You know, it's like a bowler who throws the ball right into the, into the you know, in the gutter. That's all. And I think this would work. You're thinking about that now, aren't you, Herb? <laughs> hey, speaking of, uh, of machines, man, what do you think hi-fi is like? Seriously. I think most hi-fi people, hi-fi cuckoos, don't even know what, I'd say, probably 30% of the controls on their hi-fi does and why it does it. I'm very serious about that. And, friends, if you want to take a uh, brief course in the control and operation of your hi-fi equipment so that you know why all those knobs and all that stuff is there, I would suggest the electronic workshop. They will have you soloing in less than eight hours of dual down there. On any known equipment, of course, if you start going into uh, multiplex stereo, naturally, you'll have to get additional notification, and as noted, noted, you know, it's got to be noted on your license. However, uh, uh, I would like to recommend the electronic workshop. They have the most complicated hi-fi stuff down there that you've ever seen. In fact, they've got one down there that's so fantastically complicated. It was made in a workshop in Glendale, California. It's a -a one-of-a-kind it is so complex that do you know that thing has been down for three weeks and Len Chase, who runs the whole outfit, has not even yet been able to turn it on. Tremendous thing. It just sits there. And they know that if they ever get this baby going, it's like the SST. It will produce sounds that mankind is not yet ready for. Tremendous. Now, they're at 26 West A Street. They have all the high-fidelity stuff in the world there, man, and they are competitive in prices with anybody. They'll... Put this stuff in your house, hook it up, and if anybody's going to get shocked, they'll get shocked. They'll do it. And that's all part of it. That's the Electronic Workshop, Gramercy 3 one Right? Okay. Fine. One minute. One more. Oh, there's another spot. Hit the ding-dong. Quick. Palisades Amusement Park is great. It's groovy. Come on over. Brand new rides, the monorail and the star. Come on over. Parking and dancing spree, you'll have a bargain time. Tuesdays and Thursdays rides a nickel and a dime. Hey, black oh, they gave me the words to it. Did you hear that? You'll see them all for free. Oh come At ride the bumper cars. cars. Come, you just gotta see. Oh, yeah, yeah. Palace amusement, amusement park. The lights so pretty, Magic City. Roller, roller coaster, coaster, cotton, cotton candy. candy, carousel, fantastic, fantastic dandy. L- Palisades oh. amusement park. I learned it too. Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Palisades Amusement Park, open Saturday, April 5th, at 12 noon. You know know why I like to hear these Palisades spots? That is a sure sign in New York of spring. That really is. The minute you hear the Palisades, as long as I have been in New York City, uh, the, the moment you start hearing the Palisades Amusement Park, you know, believe me, that the Mets in seventh place cannot be far behind. (laughs) <laughs> and so they open April the 5th at 12 noon all those records hey, you know that they contacted me here a couple of years ago to do a show out there one time I ought to do it you know really I've never done it I, 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 I must admit that I, I have a real weakness for, uh, for amusement parks now a lot of people say ah, what do you mean no I, I, I'm there is a a strong streak of the slob that runs through me and I must say but I, I had loved this stuff. I remember as a kid, one of the worst experiences I ever had was going on the bobs in uh, a place called Riverview Park in Chicago. This was this was the test of manhood, really. If you went on the bobs, uh, that was it. And uh, for, you know, for summer after summer, I would go there and watch other guys, bigger guys, go on the bobs. Well, they had this, it was a real killer, a genuine, oh, there were rumors around about how 15 people were killed last week on the bobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah we all kids had these rumors 15 kids were rumors. In fact, there was even a rumor about they had this thing with water called the shoot the shoots and you come down on the water like that and the, the boat would hit the bottom of the water <laughs> well there was a rumor that one time this boat turned over and that there were three people who were lost in this pool at the bottom and they never found them because it was so dangerous. (laughs) you know, kids are like, I don't believe this stuff. And uh, uh, ever since that, of course it depends. Uh, I think a lot of people have never been uh, introduced to amusement parks. This is not a pro-Palisades park spot I'm doing here. But this is a a cultural thing. That if when you were a kid you were taken to amusement parks, they always remain interesting and a fascinating thing to you. If you, you If you were the kind of kid who at the age of two were taken to hear the Budapest String Quartet... Every Saturday afternoon. Well, friend, uh, Palisades is not for you. <laughs> you know, it's just a different world. Mm. Already, it's over, huh? What is this? And I was—I never even told the story that I was going to tell. Well, don't forget, there's tomorrow. Yes, sir. I'll be on from five uh, past ten until. Uh, when is it? I'll just leave that hang. But at five minutes past ten tomorrow night. Now, uh, you know, speaking of uh, speaking of uh, Friday nights, it's the springtime. Uh, this is the time, friends, where there's going to be a lot of mistakes made. A lot of guys are planning to invite chicks to proms. And, uh, you know, a lot of things are happening. April is just over the horizon. What was it, uh, who was it, who said April is the coolest month? That sounds like Leonard Lyons. No, that wasn't Leonard Lyons. It was... Uh, Earl Wilson, sounds like his prose. April is the coolest month. Of course, he'd have to bring bazooms into that. I don't know how he would do that. Uh, oh, well, don't you know what a chocolate bazooms are? Those are those things they sell down at the, the Dairy Queen eh, with the little twirly uh, white ice cream in it on. It's all exciting, friends, and a yard long. You know, I kind of like the idea of my uh, function machine. So does Herb. He's thinking about that. And that you would be rewarded, see. the old, uh, The whole idea of a function machine is the reward. Uh, an airplane. The reward is getting down in one piece. (laughs) That's the reward. Well, what does the function machine do? Well, we'll save that for next week, friends. Yes, sir. We've got a lot of experiments that we're working on, both glandular and molecular. Indeed.